Tuscaloosa a lot with Pastor Pat at Daystar. And, um, oh, man, we went everywhere. We went all over the place. That's when I was single and just chasing God. It ain't working? Yes. That's what I was just praying for. I was like, I hope it don't work. So I'm going to put this mic down and you tell me if it works. Oh, well, we ain't, we ain't got to record. I done said some stuff they don't want to hear. <laughs> All right, well, good. Oh, yay. <laughs> now I'm live. Hey, welcome home. And so maybe I can look it up and see if he's by the on there. But he's recording anyway, so ah, whatever. So we're going to be in John 12. So if you have your technology. It's 12. We're going to go to 20 because I don't like to read one scripture. I like to read stuff in context. How about that? Do what? Yes, you can make any Bible verse work out of context. In the worst one, so I'm going to get on a little kick on this one right fast. The worst, not the worst one, not <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11 is the worst one. Um, but Philippians 4, 13, okay? So I love that verse. I believe in that verse. But people use it wrong all the time. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Everybody knows it. It's on pillows and billboards and all kind of stuff, okay? Because you can do anything through Christ, right? Okay, there's two little kids getting ready to run a race. And both of them love God. And both of them are praying hard. Both of them work hard, prepared for this race. And they're at the finals. And both of these kids are praying to God. Hey, Scripture says, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm getting ready to run this race. And both of them take off. Boom. The, the gun is fired. They bolt down. Both of them neck to neck. And one of them wins. One of them loses. One of them goes home, believe in Scripture. One of them goes home mad, defeated, and disappointed in God because the scripture was not true. So can you do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Way out of context in that, in that subject, right? How far is that out of whack? It is not what Paul was saying. Yeah, it is like, hey, God, let us win tonight. Help us, Lord, to find humility in everything we do. And it is. It's, there's, there's so many scriptures out there that are just horrible, horrible in context. And, 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 you know, Paul's talking about he's done been beat, he's done been shipwrecked, he's done all this stuff, and he's like, I can do these things through Christ. I can endure life and beatings and suffering and starving and, 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 and being treated wrong, I can, I can suffer through these things for Christ because he strengthens me. That's in context. So if you say that in that context, if you're having a bad day and suffering through colds and, and, and your family not liking you and all this stuff, and you're like, I can do it all with Christ Jesus, then I'm going to be like, good job. You said that right. But if you're like, hey, I, you know, I'm going to run a race and God's going to help me, I'm going to be like, Good luck. Yeah. Let me know how your prayer works out for you. I love you, but you're dumb. So, um, 
a good time. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, we just killed 11 minutes. That was awesome. All right. Let's go to, um, let's say, John 12 and 20. It says, so I'm reading out of the ESV. It says, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. Okay. A big deal because it was Greeks. Okay. So, little history. Greeks used to run everything. But the Romans come in and overrun the Greeks. But now we have a triple culture thing going on. Yes, Romans and Greeks, their uh, philosophy are very similar. Romans got a lot of their ideology from the Greeks. And they were birthed out of it. It's kind of like a Rome was basically a stepchild of, of Greek. And, and so you have more you... The more you study their cultures, a lot of the uh, uh, Gospels will really come to light to you, especially Corinthians. Corinthians will really open up you, if you study Corinthians. Uh, I studied Corinth. And you had actually two Corinths there. One was actually up on a hill, and one was down uh, by the lake down there. So um, just information. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. Okay, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Okay, so they go to Philip to find Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. And why did Philip go and tell Andrew? Okay, because Peter, James, and John were the three hierarchical, is that, is that how you say that? Yeah, uh, disciples. Okay, many times you see Peter, James, and John together. They were the overseers of the disciples. They were the main decision makers. They were the elders of the 12 disciples. We see that over and over and over again. So it's important. So Philip went to Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Okay, so you see this pattern of, hey, let me, let me, convene with my brothers and let me see if this is going to be healthy for you Greeks to go meet with our 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 king you know and so and Jesus answered them okay the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified truly truly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls onto the earth and dies it remains alone but if it dies it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. For anyone serve, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Okay. What is Jesus saying there? So we're in John 12 and, and 20, 20 through that stanza there. All right. Whoever loves his life will lose it. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. If it dies, it bears much fruit. What was What are we called to do daily? Die to ourselves. Die 
for ourselves, that Christ may live. We walk unto death so we can bear fruit. We cannot bear fruit out of our own power. We cannot bear fruit out of our own strength. It is not ours anyways. We must die. We must fall to the ground. We must worship the king and know who, who bears the fruit. It says we, we bear good fruit if we bear good fruit. There's some bad fruit out there, and we all see them, and we know them. Because Jesus says, hey, you will know them by what? The fruit they bear. What does God say? God says, whoever loves me, whoever loves his life will lose it. Because if we lose our life, we know we gain eternal life. But we must lose it. He says, we must lose it. Is that going to cost something? Absolutely. I, I love people and I love their innocence when it comes to being born again. And it says those who believe will be born again. And no man can earn it because Jesus paid for it. It's paid for. You can't, can't earn something that's been paid for. You can't pay for it. If I bought your food, you can't pay for it again. It won't take your money. It's been paid for. It's not by earning that you can earn something. But it's going to cost something. It's going to cost standing in line and still waiting for your food. It's going to cost you. And here it says, hey, you have to lose your life to find it. And that's it. He said, and if he don't, he remains alone. But he says, if it dies, it bears much fruit. So are we seeking fruit? Yeah, we are. We are seeking the righteousness of God. He said, we, we become the righteousness of God. And if we don't do righteous things, are we righteous? No, we're not. We can't be called something we're not. Because if we believe that, we're liars and we lie to ourselves. I love this scripture. It says, whoever hates his life in this world would keep it for eternal I love that. Whoever hates his own life. So what does he mean by that? He's talking about his life in this world. Well, I wake up every day. Do I? Yeah, you got to hate. Yeah, because it, it, we're, we live in a fallen world. We're not, we're not citizens of this place anymore. When we get born again, we become... Just like Paul says, hey, I paid a high price for my Roman citizenship. He paid a high price for it. A very valuable price to get his citizenship. If he was not a citizen of Rome, he could not have been able to preach to the Romans because they wouldn't have let, let him through there. They wouldn't have let him, him to appeal to Caesar. He could not do what he had done if he did not pay the price for that. We must hate this world and hate it with a passion and so and in by doing that God says I, I, I'm going to honor him do we find favor in God by hating this world well, apparently apparently God don't want us to do anything with this world besides preach him to it 
Be content in what you have. Over and over and over again, we get a pattern of, hey, hate this world, do nothing with it, love God. Think about what is right. Think on these things. Scripture over and over says, hey, think about what is good, and then talk about it. When you're waking up, when you're going to bed, when you're walking to and fro, talk about good things, not about worldly things. The gospel costs you something. When Jesus said, the, the scripture says, uh, does a man run a, run a race without first weigh, weighing the cost of it? Well, no, they'd be ignorant. Same thing with the gospel. Man just don't throw up his life and be like, hey, and do it whimsically because he don't know what he's given up yet. And that's why we lose a lot of people that just says, forgive me, Lord. I'm, I just want to be forgiven. But no, then the gospel's not for you. Because the gospel's more about being forgiven. It's about becoming a citizen of heaven. And now you belong to a different kingdom. And see, if you understand the kingdom of God, you understand that he is king and he has the right to do what he wants to. That's the difference. He is a sovereign God. See, he's king. And I love how how Peter says it, hey, it's Peter, and he says, he says, who do you say that I am? And he says this, how it reads in Greek, he says, you are my God and my king, or my king and my God. That's how it reads. And he says, nobody, man did not reveal this to you, but only, only the Father. And I love that. I love that clarity in the gospel that Jesus says, you know what, you got it, and the Father gave it to you. Why? Because you're able to see me for who I am and that's the difference that's the difference between a disciple and somebody that just says words because one is prepared to lose his life and another person just wants to be blessed but that's not gospel that's not true that you can't validate that because it says if Jesus says if you'll know by the fruits they bear and then Paul says, hey, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And these, these patterns come over and over again about dying to yourself daily that Christ may live. There's a pattern to this. There's a pattern to this salvation. There's a pattern to this understanding of, of how kingdom mentality works. And I love that. I love that about God. And that's not what I even want to talk about tonight. Now that I'm thinking about it. But it's, it's, it is so true. We must be able to understand the Gospels and understand our foundation in Him before we can find secret places, before we can find intimacy, before we can find the relationship David had with God Himself. That's a different story. I, there's, there's no doubt that in my mind that David loved God. But what did David do? He tried to please God. And see, the gospel, the Bible says that God, it, it quotes, and God was looking for a man, and he found David. Why did he find David? Because God was looking for somebody worthy of the calling that God was ready to give. And God knew that David was going to be that man. Scripture tells us God looks for people that is ready to take on a task for him. And they're not always easy, and they're not always pleasing to us. 
So what, we, what, what must we do? Surrender our life because he is king. The king had the ability to do whatever he wanted to. If he wanted that guy to die, guess what? He's dead. Is he right? If I was king, okay, you take uh, Cuba. If the government down there, as bad as it is, if they just wanted to go wipe out a city, they just go wipe out a city. There ain't nothing nobody can do in this world. Because that's their right. It's the same way with heaven. God has the right to do what he wants to do with us. That's why scripture is taken out of context so much. They do not read it in the the totality of its wholeness. And that that paints a different picture. So their worldview has to change if they want an understanding of God. If you want an understanding of God, read the entire Bible in context so you know how to pray to the will of God. Right? Because if you can, you can pray for all kind of stuff. I can pray for a million dollars every day of my life. But if I never play the lottery or I never do anything, I doubt I'm going to get it. Because what? Faith without works is dead. Nothing. Zero. If you don't have faith, you're not going to believe what you do matters. See, I believe in Christ. That's why I preach God everywhere I go. That's why I tell people that Jesus loves them. Because what I believe shows up. It shows up in work. It shows up in who I am. It shows up in what I do. It shows up in my household. It shows up when I eat. It shows up when I pray. Everything I do produces the fruit of what I believe. And what I believe is Jesus is king. So those go hand in hand together. And when those go hand in hand together, the Father will honor him. Because I don't live for myself, I live for God. Just like we all do. We do it on different levels in times of our life. There's times where I've been wide open to God. And there's sometimes I've been very lazy and complacent. But I allow myself for God and people to speak into my life and put me back in my place where I need to be. And I'm thankful for that. It's called discipleship. People need to be allowed into your life as iron sharpens iron. You need people in your life that will set you up and be like, look, I love you, but you're lazy. I love you, but your prayer time's horrible. I love you, but you need to seek Jesus. I love you, but get out of your pity party. You need people like that in your life. They love you. They're there. They're not going away. Those are the people you want in your life. Uh, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable to the gospel. There's, there's, I've been a part of a lot of churches in my lifetime where everybody's poop don't stink. Nobody does anything wrong. And you know, guess what? Nothing ever gets fixed. God never shows up. And God is never welcome. You went to one of those churches? Yeah. I'm sure we've all been in them. Do what? <laughs> there's, there's more than that out there, I promise you. Yeah. That's right. If they're all perfect, they do not need help, and that is so true. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, and and that yeah, they they come with the scripture. You know, don't judge me. You know, you know, get the log out of your eye before you get the speck out of mine. And no, um, pretty sure there's a book in here called Judges. You know, uh, don't judge me. God set up judges. Yeah, that that's one of them. Do what? Right. Yeah. We God wants us to judge. God wants us to rightly divide. You know, he eats the he eats the Pharisees up because they were the worst at it. They were the worst that would have been like, hey, you need to fast today and, and eat behind their back. You know, and 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 it's it's very hypocritical. But don't be a hypocrite is what he's saying. Don't preach one thing and do another. That's what he's talking about. But if you're walking a righteous, holy life, absolutely speak into other people's lives. Absolutely judge them. Why does it say, hey, if somebody sins, take them before, or go get a brother and go go call him out on it? What? Is that judging somebody? Yeah. Yeah. And then you say, hey, if you don't repent, take him before the church. If you don't repent then, kick his butt out. You don't see that happening. And it's love. And it's love. Because it said what? The scripture says what? Turn them over to Satan. And that's bad. But that's scripture. That ain't me. That's following God's attributes and desires for his people. Why? So that they can see God for who he is. Because I guarantee you can't really look up until you've been to the bottom. And I've been to the bottom a few times in my life. We all have. A lot of people have. And people have hard times. And I believe hard times is real. I know. I've been through them. But it's not an excuse not to seek Jesus because you have a hard time. It's actually a better reason to seek God. Because there is hard times in this world. He says there are going to be hard times. But he says they do what, though? They produce perseverance. Perseverance and long-suffering produces faith and steadfastness. Paul says, be, be in joy when these things come. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of, your, of, of you produces faith. So you can't have faith without testing. Okay. So I, I had this 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 same um, yesterday. I, I had a friend of mine that's his wife is very very sick in the hospital, and I said, and he, he's like, dude, I don't know what I'm going to do if my my wife passes away. They have two two kids, nine and twelve. He's like, dude, I can't do this on my own. I said, who do you belong to? And he's a believer. I said, God. And he said, God. I said, are you planning on staying here forever? He said, no. I said, then you got the wrong mindset going on here. I said, is God your king? He said, yes. I said, was God Job's king? Yes. Did God, get, did, did Job have the right to do what he did? And what happened at the end of Job? I get it, Daniel. 
I get it. We don't have the right to, to tell God what blessings and cursings we want. We don't have that ability because we're not sovereign. He is. See, I lost a friend a couple of years ago to cancer. And it wasn't because faith that she wasn't healed. Not at all. She believed. I believed. There was a boatload of people that were believing. I'm talking about strong faith people. Talking to people that raise the dead. Boy, we roll it, right? I, I, ain't, I ain't not believing. She passed away. Was it God's will for her to pass away? That's the question. Yes. Because we did everything we were supposed to do according to Scripture. According to Scripture, we did everything we were supposed to do. There was no way that Satan won. No way. But hearing her stories in the hospital and how she was able to preach the gospel every day to people that were dying was her absolute life's mission. And she did it in a very powerful way. But she was not able to do that unless she was in that position. And she was okay with it. That's life that is dead. That is someone that is totally surrendered to God. And just like Paul, he said, man, I would rather be out of this body because I know to be out of this body is to be present with God. Our main goal is to say or to hear well done, my good and faithful servant. When I get to heaven, I'm going to hear well, then I'm going to be listening to the next word. It's going to be like, well, hell, or well, good, or well done. You know, I'm just like, I just, I just want to, I ain't going to say nothing. People often say, what are you going to say when you get to heaven? Not a dang thing. Because I'm going to be listening. Probably with a lot of tears in my eyes. Maybe my face to the ground. I'm going to be like it's you again. And I know where I'm going to be. Because that's where I want to be. Because this world is dead to me. I don't want to be here. I do now because I know I have a job to do. I know I, I want to save souls and lead them to Jesus. That's the only reason I'm here. To love on people, love on my family, serve God with everything I can. That's the only thing that matters. I am content in what I have. I don't need nothing else. I don't need nothing else. And I got a roof over my head. The bills are paid. And I get to love on people. Man. What else is there? There ain't nothing else. I'm content in what I have. Can God bless me? Yeah. Can God curse me? Yeah. Am I okay with it all? Yeah. Because he is my king. I don't have the right to tell God no. I don't have that ability. And I don't want that responsibility. Because it's my view of how God is for me. He is my king. See, I love that. I, I, help me, Jesus. Some Bibles, bad job Bibles, 
does not depict God in who he is. And so, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Um, and so it distorts the very attributes of God. And so oftentimes I study a lot of translations, a lot. I do it a lot and, and because I, I, I go back to the original word as much as I can because people love to put their two cents in it but with their two cents in it then they've taken out the ability for God to be influential in his own scripture so if I sit here and I teach a class on love then God now has the ability to speak through me or hear him directly because I didn't give you everything that I know but what if it's wrong and you believe it. That's worse. That's why God says teachers are going to be judged more harshly. That's scary. I don't mind it though. Because I know I've put the work in. I can walk with an authority in my life and be like, hey, that's wrong. And I can show you how. But it's not me being arrogant. It's because God has blessed me in that field of my life in that area in my life and understanding scripture and, and having knowledge and understanding in that and so that's just that's just God but man, I totally went so far off where I was going to go today but I do want to talk about a couple of things and, and, it, and it goes with, with John in chapter 12 and, and that stanza in verse 20 you know we it's not until we can die to ourselves that we can try to begin to understand God because it takes us to a place. Being dead takes us to a place where being disobedient can't. God won't let you in those places. People were not allowed into the temple to make sacrifices unless the right offering was there. They just didn't let you come up with a dove if you killed somebody. He said, no, that ain't happening. That's why the priest, once a year in Yom Kippur, offered up his life, knowing his life was on the line if he did something wrong. God, God would absolutely have killed him. Is it any different for us to come to God unholy, not, not well, let me say not unholy, unworthy and disrespectful and ask for forgiveness for something we are not ready to repent from does that make sense knowing we know in our own hearts now I'm probably going to do this tomorrow and I know people like that I know people that are having a hard time with sin it's okay to have a hard time with sin it's not okay to blame your hard time with sin on God because he made you that way. Just like sexual sin. is one of the biggest. But God made me this way. He also gave you the Holy Ghost and self-control. Which is a fruit of the Spirit. Don't blame God. You better blame yourself and check. And, and start working out as Paul says. It's okay to work out a little bit physically. But you better learn to work that spiritual man out. There's no way in the world I sin every day. Because I know how close I walk with God. And I don't like that people either. 
You sin every day. <laughs> You're a bad guy. You're horrible. You sin every day. That's wrong. Then why did God, why did Jesus say right there in the, the end of the chapter, I can't remember what chapter it is, says, be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. What did you say? Go and sin no more. Why would he tell us something like that if it was not able to happen? It should be an accident because you shouldn't do it if you knew better. Yeah, it shouldn't be welcome. But we do have problems with sin. It's like anger. It's not, it's not a problem. Anger is not a, not a sin. Acting upon anger might be a sin. Because I know there's times I get mad. There's times in the Bible God got mad and just killed a lot of people. So is, it, is it an attribute of God to get mad? Absolutely. I get mad at the devil all the time. I get mad at myself. And that's okay. Being anger is not a sin. Being anger, staying in sin and letting that breed to other stuff, that's a sin. Just like eating, not a sin. Nothing's a sin. They, they were so bad back in the day that to, to be identified as a rich man depended on how big you were. That was sexy back in the day. Man, I look so good. Man. But that's it, it really was. And that's what they were like. Listen, you, 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 you've gone way too far. You've eaten so much just to prove that you're rich. Yeah, Alabama is full of sexy people. Just saying. <laughs> but that's, that's it. I mean, you, you've got to got to look at things in context and 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 in everything the the entire bible and especially the new testament and i often say in my, sm my small group that we started on wednesday night at six o'clock um you know i was teaching about yom kippur the the first time which actually landed last wednesday and um and and i'm i'm showing stuff from the old testament that coincides with the new testament and without understanding the Old Testament, you're not going to understand the New Testament. Any of them come close. It's, it's, you're, you're, your flag is at half mass at best. And you're just going to be lost. Because you're not going to be able to understand what Jesus is trying to say. Because Jesus was a Jew. He was an Israeli. He grew up with tradition. He grew up with custom. He grew up with the law. He grew up with these things. So he spoke from those things he spoke from that place in his life and he sit here and he had to deal with Greeks he had to deal with Romans and he had to deal with his own people that's a mess literally that was a mess so he literally that's that's why he you never heard Jesus speak of politics because he's like hey their kingdom's gonna be gone but the one I'm talking about is gonna last forever don't worry about what can kill the body. Worry about the guy that can kill the body and the soul. Worry about things that matter. That's, that's the important things in life. That's, that's what really matters. Find things and, and have your worldview set up in, in, in Proverbs 1. I love Proverbs 1. Solomon, wise dude. He said, the fear of the Lord. Is only the beginning of knowledge the beginning of it the foundation of your life 
should be Proverbs 1. Because if you fear God, you're somewhat understanding. You can't understand God without fearing Him. You can't. John, John, John met Jesus in glory right there in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Fell to the ground as though he were dead. He feared the man he spent a lot of time with. Why? Because he realized he was king. He didn't get to see Jesus in all his glory besides a little bit on the Mount of Transfiguration, which was right there at Mount Olives. He saw him for a minute, fully transformed, but it didn't hit him then. It hit him later. It hit him when he was on Patmos. It hit him then because Jesus showed up with all his glory and said, hey, I am God. That's awesome. That is awesome. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a good time when, and, th- and that's what I want here. Jesus is coming here. He absolutely is. There's too many people that, that pray on Monday night and they're seeking God to come. I wouldn't be here if God wouldn't have told me. You know, I, 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 I had a lot of stuff going on. And I'm like, and God's like, I need you here. I'm like, nah, Why? You know, why? And it's okay to ask God why. It's not wrong. It's wrong to disobey it. It's not okay. It's not wrong to ask why. That's okay. We have those in Scripture too. We have we have those. People ask God why. Why? That's okay. Just don't disobey it when he says why. The disciples followed Jesus to the death. Why? Because they understood that it did not matter what they gave up here because what they gave up here only blessed them there. You know, I had a, a question. Somebody asked me. It's been, it's been a while ago. They said, when we get to heaven, are we going to be judged right then? I said, no. Can't happen. I said, he said, why? Why do you think that? I said, I don't think that. I know that. I said, because Paul is still reaping rewards off the New Testament. People are reading this book, getting born again by what Paul wrote. His reward is not fulfilled yet. Judgment can't happen. The people that you've preached the gospel to, and then they've preached the gospel to, and then they've preached the gospel to, the judgment can't happen yet because our reward hasn't happened yet. They don't happen, have to happen at the same time. That's why judgment has not happened yet or will not happen. And so, and that's, that just seems to me very logical. And so, um, yeah. What? No, you don't. Oh, you may have changed people's lives, brother. So much, man. So many times I've heard stories of, of, of people. It was just the smile on their face. It was just the handshake. It was just the awkward hug that they gave. It was just the smile as they was walking away out the door that they waved and said, God loves you. And I realized it. Greeters are some of the most important people we have. 
Because that's the first person they're running into. That's the first love of contact. That's the contact point of God's touch right then. I love that. Smith Wigglesworth talked about that. He's like, it ain't the hand that does anything. When he drop kicked the baby, it was the foot that was just the point of contact of faith that people believe. It isn't me that when I preach the gospel, I'm just a contact point of God. It's all I am. That's it. That's all we are. It's anything we do. We're just a contact point for God himself. That's it. I love that. I love how he says that. That ain't for me. That's old Smith. And I love Smith Wigglesworth. And so, um, y'all know who he is, right? Yeah, everybody. Everybody should. Oh, Tommy does? Yeah, yeah, I love Tommy. I talked to him today. And uh, if you're listening, Tommy, hey, brother, still praying for you as always. We all are. And uh, we miss you. We love you. And, uh, uh, but yeah, it, it takes an understanding of God to get in a place to where he can trust you. I remember years ago, um, 20-something years ago, somebody told me, because you trust God does not mean God trusts you. And it really changed my outlook, changed my worldview. And I was like, man, that is so profound. Because I don't trust myself. If I don't trust myself, how can God trust me? You ever had a kid mess up over and over again and you just stop distrusting him? You, you stop trusting him? And you're like, you're going to you're gonna have to earn that back. But God knows us way better than we know our kids. He knows how we're going to act and respond to life situations. And oftentimes, I'm like, listen, God, I'm going through this, but I'm going to prove you. I'm going to prove to you how much I love you. And I know he smiles. I feel it, man. I feel it when I get up from my, my knees and I'm like, I got this, God. I got this. I'm going to walk through this with my head held high and just love you through the whole thing, no matter what. And I said, I got this. And I'm like, that's what God wants. God wants me mature believers to walk how the world cannot. And if we're no different than them, man, then we, we don't even belong in heaven. We should be opposite of the world. Absolute opposite. Is he Tommy watching? Hey, love you, Tommy. <laughs> He's watching. Outstanding. And so, uh, that's good. And so, um, yeah, it is. We have to get to a place where we understand Jesus. And the more we understand God, the more time we're going to sp want to spend with him. And the more time we spend with him, the more we get to know him. The maturer we get, the more we love him. Absolutely. Those who have been forgiven much loves much. And I say that a lot. And and, and oftentimes people are like, well, I, I've, I've been a good kid or a good person most of my life. I'm like, you still deserve hell. You still deserve hell. But tell me that there ain't enough reason to love God with everything you have people would realize what they owe God and they'd never be the same again. 
because I know what I deserve. I was a bad dude first 20 years of my life. So when I think about heaven, man, it'll break me. And I just weep and cry and just pour my heart out to God because I know what I owe him. Man, that's everything. And when you do that, it'll change your entire life perspective and who God is. That'll change your daily. Because when you get up in the morning, you're like, thank you, God. Thank you for life. I say that every morning when I wake up, open my eyes. Thank you for life, God. Thank you for an opportunity to love you. Thank you for an opportunity to just to touch somebody, to be a vessel today, to love my wife, to love my kids, to love my family. Whoever I come in contact with, let me be a vessel for you. Let me walk in love. And I'm just like, man, I get to make God smile again. That's the relationship God wants first before anything. See, Jesus, I love when the disciple says, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. I love that. He didn't say, teach us to pray. Teach us how to pray. What does he he mean by that? See, was it a pattern of prayer or was he teaching? Or is he teaching them how to pray and to pray? See, oftentimes it's not what you say. but It's a continuation of who you are in prayer. That's the thing. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much, as the King James puts it, or it goes a long way in the eyes of God to simplify it. Because I know people, you've probably heard that, uh, the story of the, they caught, well, I don't know his name. He was an Indian guy, like from India, where it didn't rain for so many years, and the guy drew a circle on the ground. They wrote a book about it. What's it called? Circle of Faith. What's it called? Oh, yeah, you got you to gotta read this, dude. It's a good book. Uh, it's been a long time since I read it. And this guy, strong believer, strong believer, goes and, and puts a circle on the ground, sits down, and he says, God, I ain't leaving until it rains. Guess what happened? <laughs> it starts raining. It hadn't rained in, like, months. I mean, this is, like, dry. I mean, he's like, it's got to rain. We're all fixing to die. He goes, sits down, it starts raining. I'm like, man, did he just straight up give God an ultimatum? Absolutely, because he had the ability, because he had favor with God. And God says, I'm going to answer his prayers. Why? Because he makes me smile every day. That's the way I want to be when I wake up every day. I want to make you smile, God. Because when I go and put my hand on that sick people, I want you to hear me. I want to be in that place to where I know the authority that I have is might as well be standing in the holy of holies like like Moses was. I want that relationship with God. To be able to ask what I want. And God says, yeah. You know why? Because what he asked for is my will. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can walk with God in that way. Why do I believe that? Because others have. If God says, I'm no respecter of persons, but he does bless some people differently. That I know too. But he says, ask, knock, 
sink. Almost like a little kid mentality. Daddy, I need this. Daddy, I need this. Daddy, I need this. Scripture talks about that. Scripture talks about being perseverance in prayer, having perseverance in prayer. And so, it is. We have to have a better understanding of God, I think, in this day and age. I think our Western culture has misidentified a lot of religious and glossy preaching that has just made God out to be your best friend, dude. That is not how he's identified in the gospel or anywhere in the Bible. If he'll kill you for doing something wrong, he is not your buddy. He is your God and your king. Treat him as such. I guarantee your mind will be blown. Okay, so I'm talking about worship. I think it's next month, doing a little class, right? These little classes are coming up soon. And so, um, the word worship, biblical worship, literally means to physically bow before God. It's the only way it's described in the Bible. In the Hebrew and Greek text, it literally means worship means to put your face on the ground and bow to God. That's the only way it's described in the Bible. Now, there is sacrifices. There is honoring God. There's things. But when it says worship, I'm going to teach it. Y'all come later because we're fixing the end. But it literally, it is a, well, if I say this word wrong, it's going to come out bad. Prostrate, all right? It's, it's not the other one. You get checked when you turn 40. Uh, yeah. I'm like, I've been hitting the head too many times. Let me check this. Uh, prostrate yourself before the Lord. Do what? Prone. Yeah, prone yourself out to plank thyself. Do some abs. Um, and, and that's literally, I mean, you can go check it if you want to. Um, but it, it literally means to bow. To bow before the king. To worship him. And why? Would we do that to a friend? Would we do that to a buddy? No, because God is not that. God is king. I love it when Hebrew says, when the, when the Hebrew prayers, it says, it's Shema Israel. Right? I can say it in Hebrew, but I'm not. It says, listen, O Israel. The Lord is one. The Lord is God. They exalt him. They lift him up. They tell him how good he is. And I love that. I love that. A lot of times I'll read these old prayers and I'm like, dang, man, that is awesome. And I'll implement it in my own words, my own redneck terminology. God, I love you. You know, God is like, that's, that's how God wants to be loved. He wants to be worshipped. We're called to worship. We're called to lower ourselves and to die to ourselves so that he may be lifted high. I love that. We are a contact point of faith for people everywhere we go, as Smith Wigglesworth says. I love that. And if it's the only thing we hear tonight, be the contact point. Be the contact point who's dead. So when they see you, they don't see nothing 
besides God. Be that. I remember, uh, as we close, I remember David Hogan talking a long time ago. He's like, because I can lay my hands on people and they get healed, it has nothing to do with the hand, but it's the God behind the hand. See, people come from all over the place to go find David Hogan. But it wasn't David Hogan they were after. They were after the contact point that God had made. That was the key. Seek to be the contact point for God. That's what we want. That's what he wants. And that's what's important. So let's pray and uh, we'll talk some more. It's always fun to talk to y'all after the thing is done. <laughs> Love you, Tommy. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for so much for who you are and what you do for us. We thank you for being our God and our King. We thank you for the opportunity to love you back. We thank you so much that you hear us, that you love us, that you put up with us. God, teach us every day that we get up and we seek you and we invest, invest time and energy and resources and and everything that we put in the gospel, Lord, I ask you to bless it. God, as we seek you, as we knock, God, I pray that you open the door. As scripture says, that you would come in and eat with us. God, we ask for the spiritual food. We ask for these things so we can bless your kingdom so we can make it profitable so we can make you smile so Lord we thank you and we are grateful that you are our God and one day we get to be with you forever and we're ready and we're ready for your return and we're excited Lord so, Lord, we bless you. We worship you. We honor you for who you are. You are the king, and you are our God. So thank you for that. Thank you for your son. Thank you for that sacrifice. And, Lord, we hold our end of the contract. And we love you back. We obey you. We're grateful, God. And we love you. In Jesus' name.